Your job is to show up, get hard, have sex, and come. Welcome to Porn and Coffee, the weekly adult industry podcast, bringing you the latest from the greatest in the adult entertainment industry. Naked and caffeinated and ready to go. Here are your hosts, Jay Copita and Thomas Scab Helen. Hey everybody and welcome to Porn and Coffee. I'm your host Thomas Gavalem. I'm from plugrush.com and with me as always is Jay Kopita from whynot.com. And today Jay, we have something exciting going on. We have James Dean on. Yeah, I would probably say that today James Dean is our biggest star. You know, easily one of the most recognizable male personalities in the adult entertainment industry. Multi-award winning, really a do-it-yourselfer in a lot of respects as well. And he's been very active in the adult entertainment industry now for about close to 12 years, I think. 11 or 12 years. And we were really honored, actually. To, to spend like one and a half hours of his time. Yeah. And one and a half hour, it's really hard to put that down to 30 minutes as we used to do in this podcast. So we decided that we need to split this in two episodes. Yeah. So yeah. we're going to have this first episode today. I think today we're going to hear more about the personal side of James Dean. I think this is definitely going to be a side of him that his associates as well as his fans are going to be interested in hearing. And then mm. I think part two, we're going to probably focus more on the business side of uh his work, as well as, you know, his philosophies and just his dealings, uh, which I think is still going to be very interesting to his fans, but is probably going to be a little bit more interesting to the business side of the adult entertainment industry. Absolutely. So we really hope you stay with us and uh, listen to this episode. Before we will get into that, we need to have a word from our sponsors, and they sound a little bit like this. You're listening to Porn and Coffee. While our hosts refill, here are a few words from our sponsors. Porn and Coffee is supported by ClickCash.com. ClickCash launched in 1996 with the single goal of helping affiliates make more money. As a loyal Porn and Coffee listener, ClickCash is paying you up to $200 for every new member you refer. To sign up for free, visit ClickCash.com slash Porn and Coffee. Adult Force is the worldwide leader in adult premium products. Adult Force is your destination to do big business with all of these brands, including Brazzers, Reality Kings, Mofos, Digital Playground, Pornhub Premium, Twisties, Babes, Wicked, Fake Hub, and more on Face Sites. We also have Men, Sean Cody, Bromo, and the newly launched Reality Dudes Network on Gay Face Sites, and Nutaku.net, N-U-T-A-K-U.net, to promote the latest craze, adult video games. So you have a choice of flat rates, K-Top CPM, PPS, RevShare, PPL, and on it goes. Just go to adultforce.com today and check them out. And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us for this edition of Porn and Coffee, everyone. I can't even begin to tell you how excited I am for today's interview. We have easily one of the most recognizable male adult talent in the world. Uh, he's been in the adult industry now for, well, over 10 years. Uh, he's multi-award winning, and he's just a great all-around guy. Ladies and gentlemen... James Dean! Yay! Yes. Thank you for having me. Damn. Good intro, Jay. Yeah. Made me sound really cool. <laughs> it probably would have been a little bit more eventful if we actually had a few thousand people to applaud with me, but when you have three guys kind of going, hey. <laughs> James, thank you so much for joining us, man. How are you doing this fine day? I am well. I am very well. It was a lovely Saturday morning. It's Fourth of July weekend. 
I was going to go camping, but then I didn't because I was going to do this instead. So I chose this over <laughs> camping. Nice. Or maybe we saved you, right? I was like, ah, I don't want no, to. I love camping. Really? Okay. Now, as, as a fellow Alonsman here, you know, it's just, I've always been under the impression, and I can definitely speak from experience, that us Jewish people, we just don't camp, you know? I've been camping my whole life. That's crazy. My whole life. Yeah. I used to, yeah. Since I was, uh, actually like when I was at, well, it wasn't real camping. It's like car camping. My family does this annual trip every year up, uh, in like the little behind Mammoth Mountain. There's a little valley behind it. And, uh, when we were infants, we, they would get, they went from tents to cabins. And so now they get these cabins up there every year. And we, uh, yeah, I've, I mean, now I stay in the tents because I prefer camping, but when I was a, when I was a kid, like an infant, yeah, I would stay in cabins in the woods with my family. And then, yeah, we went backpacking when I could carry my own pack and, yeah, all that stuff for my entire life. I basically, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm like a city kid from Pasadena, you know, I'm not like, you know, by any means uh, any sort of rural individual, but I like secretly just want to go live in like Texas or Alaska and just be like, like work on a ranch or something. <laughs> Dude, that's amazing, dude. I mean, I was raised with uh, parents, you know, either grew up in New York or outside of it. And honestly, we never did anything remotely resembling any of that stuff. In fact, my dad, he couldn't use tools. I mean, if he needed to fix something, he'd either have me work on it or he'd call for help. But the idea of camping in my family, I don't think I camped for the first time, like real camping. Until I was already in my 30s. My dad is a mechanical engineer. And my mom's an engineer with like a biochemical engineering degree. So like there's all <laughs> sorts of things that are at like the house. Like I'll just start fixing and doing stuff or building stuff. And people are like, how do you know how to do this? I'm like, I, I don't know. Don't, isn't this just stuff you know how to do? Like, is it like, yeah, you just fix, you fix the sink. You just disassemble it and you then put it back together. And yeah. you, you don't know how to do that. And I'm just slowly realizing that the more... Uh, people I associate with, um, I have a lot of weird, like, knowledge and weird things that have gone on that I've, that are unique experiences to me that I thought just everybody, like, everyone knows how to build a shed. Like, oh. you don't know how to build a shed? Of course you don't have, like, it's just, just build it. Like, <laughs> and, how hard can uh, yeah, it be, so. really? How hard can it be, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, let's get into this, James. Like, we are already starting on this, but tell us about your life. Before the porn industry. Yeah. Like, tell us about your high school, because you got into things pretty much right after your 18th birthday, right? Yeah. Uh, like a month afterwards. So, life. I was born a, a poor black child, and <laughs> and, uh, and uh, <laughs> one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, so, uh, yeah, the jerk. I, uh, yeah, the jerk, absolutely. Steve Martin. Yep. Yeah. So, high school didn't... I didn't really go. I was... So I went to a private Jewish day school in Pasadena for elementary school. And then in seventh and eighth grade, I went to a public school in La Cunada, which is this like really, it's, it's a really beautiful city, but the people make it kind of gross. It's just like, just, yeah. I was called, I was called the Antichrist once because I was going to my friend's house on a Sunday and someone asked me, like I had to cross like over near a church and someone asked me why I wasn't in church. And I was like, right. cause I'm, I'm Jewish and yeah. also I'm like 12, like go and they, <laughs> and they're like, Oh, well you're just the Antichrist. And I'm just like, wow, that's excessive. Um, which I'm sure I responded with something a lot less mature, something rude, and you know. I, I dealt with crap like that when I was young as well. But I mean, I also lived in a small area in Minnesota, you know, where people just were kind of ignorant. But uh, for the listeners yeah. out there that aren't aware, of that is like, 
It's like a little suburb outside of Pasadena, which is already a suburb. So, I mean, it's just this weird, like, a lot of money, a lot of, you know, whatever. So, anyway, so I thought, you know, yeah, it would be good to go to public school instead of private school and, like, know people closer to me and all this stuff. I didn't do well there. I just... I don't get along with that type of, I guess, I don't know, spoiled rich person. I don't know how to even really describe it. I mean, me and my friend Matt, who recently died, were the only two punk rock kids in school. And we became friends because I was in seventh grade and he was in eighth grade. We were walking down the hall and both basically saw each other and pointed it. And we're like, you have a mohawk. (laughs) You're wearing no bondage pants. Oh, my God. You have a you have an off ivy patch. Like, yeah, you're the only person I've seen. For like so weeks amazing. that I like, have like that's into that, and so we were basically like, yeah, cool. We went and got drunk on uh, under a bridge and uh, well, tunnel rather, and uh, and we're friends ever since. And yeah, but like that was it. Just was very a uh, bizarre, like not a not a cool place. If I wasn't old enough to be your dad, James, I think we would have actually been friends in high school. We're not friends now. <laughs> well, I think we would have been friends back then too. I think I would have been drawn to you and vice versa. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we yeah. still, we hang out now. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, so I. Uh, it was not one of those. They didn't dump me. I didn't dump them. We we had a mutual breakup where they didn't expel me, um, and I didn't. I, I chose to leave under their uh, encouragement, and so that was in um, uh, so ninth grade. So I, I made it seventh and eighth grade. In ninth grade, I was encouraged to not come back. Wow. And, uh, in tenth grade, I went to this weird continuation school that was like. Half the kids were like juvenile hall, like drug dealing, like really just problem child children, but they like had a good family and their family wanted to like give them a good education. So they were trying to like, they were like got expelled from a school. Like there was one girl who stabbed someone with a protractor. Another kid was like selling drugs. Another chick uh, like was like, like was involved in like a drive by shooting at the school. Like, so it was shit like that. And then, uh, and then the other half were like mentally handicapped like not like re- not like straight up like retarded, but like special needs maybe. Special needs, yeah. They weren't slow. Like a lot of them were like hyper intelligent. There was some. There was one person who was autistic. Another one who was just. I mean, he was on a cocktail meds. I mean, one kid was like he didn't get expelled, but he was like had like he was like a uh, pyromaniac. So like he would like <laughs> like always be lighting fires, but he was like on meds for it and like going through. Like it was really. It was a very interesting thing, and so they didn't, and they didn't know what to do with me because I wasn't like you know a felon. I didn't like get expelled. I wasn't. I mean, I was. I was just annoying, but I wasn't like right. involved in drive-bys and you know. So they didn't really know what to do with me. So I pretty much like had this weird like rogue thing going on there for like three months, and then I ended up just testing out. There's something in California called the CHSPE, the California High School Proficiency Exam, which is essentially a GED, but it's you take it under 25, I believe. And you get a diploma from the state of California opposed to a certificate of completion. So I have a high school diploma. I am a high school graduate. So I graduated in 10th grade. And then wow. after that, got a job and, you know, worked at Starbucks and various other places and uh, started going to junior college at Pasadena City College. Uh, so that was, which is basically, you know, it's a high school with ashtrays. I mean, it's a junior college. So, you know, uh, <laughs> And uh, I went there, and I didn't really have any plans other than when I turned 18, I wanted to start in the adult film industry. That was your plan? Oh, yeah. That was been my plan my whole life. So yeah. but I had no idea how I was going to do that. I had no idea if I was going to be able to be able to do it or successful at it. So I pretty much just went to school for general education with intent to like transfer to UCLA or something after I got my BA, and uh, then... And then continue and then maybe be a lawyer or something. Like I was, it's actually kind of depressing because, you know, due to the latest drama in my life, I've been like 
like, you know, thank God I have so many supportive people in this industry that are, that know me. And yeah, I'm very lucky. And I know, and I'm humbled every day that like, you know, the acknowledgement that, yeah, I'm still able to work as a performer every day. I'm able to have my company. People, women will still have sex with me on camera. And like, it's just, I'm very lucky. And I know that, but I was thinking, I was like, what else would I do? Like if for some reason the adult industry didn't support me, which again, thank you everyone in the adult industry for your, all your support. It means the world to me. But if, you know, we didn't get the support that I got, what would I do? And I'd be like, I, cause I always said I would just have to go back to school and just study. But now not to be arrogant, like I'm, I'm James Dean. I, like, yeah, I feel yeah. like if I'm like in school, people are gonna be like, aren't you James Dean? Why are you in yeah. school? <laughs> and hey, so, it's a weird thing to think about, man. I mean, because the thing is I never wanted to be famous. I never thought anyone would know who I am or my face or anything. I didn't think anyone would ever care. I was just, I'm a, I'm a prop. I'm a human prop here to accentuate the star who is the female of the scene and make her glow and shine. That is my job. So I never thought that anybody it's like if something didn't work out my backup plan was always i just go back to school and just be in school until i find something else i want to do with my life but now with there's no anonymity to me anymore and it's and i i mean i can i can empathize now with a lot of the female performers that come in and work for a year or so and then go try to get a job somewhere else and then deal with the the persecution isolation of being a sex worker because you know Granted, there's, I'm still a, a straight white male, so I still am in, I'm like not by any means dealing with the same thing. And I still, there is still very much a double standard. I mean, just look yeah, at yeah. me versus Sasha Gray. I mean, there's a very much double standard, but there still is the same time, you know, like if I'm trying to sit in class and learn, people are going to just ask me about what it was like to fuck Sasha Gray. And if I'm like trying to get a job somewhere, people are going to be like, you're that porn dude. We can't have you representing clients. Let's say I'm an attorney or whatever. So. It's weird. It's scary now. I'm like, thank God I'm so committed. I'm like, so thank God I have so much support and I'm here and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. You're, you're hot committed as it were. Yeah. I'm not going anywhere because there's, even if I wanted to, there's nowhere I can go. If you go back to school, they will think like, uh, hey, maybe we are, are you creating a movie here or, or what kind of scene am I in now? Right? Yeah, right. People would just be like, I don't want to, I don't want to be in this movie. Like, it's not a movie. I just want to get a better education. But tell me this, James, then. How did you actually get involved? Did you have any connections? Did you go for, like, casting? Is it, like, some person there that you meet that actually helped you in there? So my plan was I was going to... It was... I mean, it worked, but it was a bit... I look back on it, and I don't have any idea why I thought it would work. But my plan was I was going to go hang out in Hollywood, and eventually I would meet somebody, and they would introduce me to somebody, and, that you know, yeah, it'll, it'll work out. I'll meet Ron Jeremy or something. So when I was like 16, 17, I was uh, hanging out in Hollywood area and I met this woman who uh, had done some solo webcam work or something like that. You know, she had some connections. And when I turned 18, I contacted them and then they gave me advice and, you know, sent me to AIM, which was the testing facility at the time and told me about world modeling and Jim South. So, I mean, I don't know if they're still around, but... uh you know, so, you know, send me there. And then I'm, I'm, you know, I mean, I really lucked out a lot. Most of my career is, is luck, a lot of luck. I mean, the first scene I did was for VCA Hustler for a feature that got a lot of promotion and press. And it was the director's first feature. And he was trying to get, uh, you know, kind of this youthful, I mean, he t- his exact words were he wanted to be the Joe Campbell of porn. So, I mean, he was trying to like appeal to a younger demographic. And so it was just, and it was just kind of happened that in 2004, 2005, 2006, it was kind of like this alt generation 
which I kind of, I kind of fit the mold for, I guess, you know? So I, uh, I mean, I was skinny and young looking and like a normal guy. And then between that and the internet kind of on the influx with all of these like MILF sites and, and, you know, various other websites where they needed a young everyday looking guy, I started, you know, getting a bunch of work there. And then because I was trying to be a performer and not just like a web guy, I ended up getting in with like the red light district, anabolic, diabolic crowd and like these like, you know, the super performers that were like these like, you know, like Manuel Ferrara, Eric Everhart, Michael Stefano, John Strong, like all these like these living legends of, of performance. And so I started to kind of like working more and more and more. And then I got like, you know, in, in with those guys and they started and, you know, I learned a lot about performing from all of those. I mean, those those were the they still are. I mean, the upper echelon of performers like, you know, Manuel Ferrara and John Strong and Eric Everhart. I mean, they're still like the best performers in the business. And, uh, and you know, so I learned how to perform from all those guys. And then when the Internet de- DVD era kind of took that, the tables tilted and it went more internet way. All the internet companies that I was working for when I first started now had more money and were more able to hire things. So they were like, yeah, James, come back. We're, you know, we'd love to hire you. And so I just moved over and was working for the internet companies. And a lot of the uh, newer performers don't get, you know, they don't get that same sort of training that I got. So their performance is not so much that they're not as good as me. And I'm not saying I'm so great. It's they're not. It's a different type of scene. It's it's very clinical opposed to the new the internet stuff. It's a less about it's about creating the package to get the clicks to get the sale. It's not about getting opposed to the DVD world where it was about you only have a certain amount of time, so you want to present the best things. Like people in the DVD, we just throw scenes away. Internet world, it's it's an update. It's one shitty update. Put it up. We'll get some good uh, photos out of it or whatever, and then we'll move on and get a better update later. It's a different sort of training. I come from the world where if you show up and you're told to get hard and you're not hard within a minute, you get sent home and you never get hired again. If you're told to come and you don't come, then you never get hired again. Um, yeah. And like come like within like a moment, like not like sit there. Were you confronted with stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, I, didn't have, I was lucky enough. I didn't have issues with it, but that was where I've been on set where people were like, get the fuck out and told someone to leave because, you know, what every scene was like that. Like it wasn't, it was just the standard. And now I've been on set for companies where guys, they fake pop shots. Like the idea of faking a pop shot is insane to me. Like who, why would you fake a pop shot? If you can't come, if that person has an issue ejaculating, because I guess when you're pharmaceutically enhanced, which I don't really have experience with, but when supposedly it's harder to come with certain things, you have sensitivity issues or something like that. So, but there's guys that I know I've been on set with that didn't, they weren't able to come and the director's like, yeah, this happens with them all the time. Or we're sitting there for 20 minutes while they're trying to come and everyone else is in the corner of the room just being like, why are we waiting for this guy to ejaculate? Like, if you can't come, that's part. Your job is to show up, get hard, have sex, and come. I got to tell you, James, I mean, obviously you are definitely one of the most recognizable male faces in the world as far as adult entertainment is concerned. But the thing is, is that aside from the fact, I mean, rule number one, and I actually, if you know who Dave Cummings is, you know, one of the oldest working male porn stars yeah. in the world. Uh, oh, I know. It, yeah, <laughs> he, he, he taught classes and he would always say that no matter what, first and foremost is you have to be able to get wood on camera, on command, and you have to be able to come when you need yeah. to. And the important thing is, is that Everything else is secondary to that. Mm -hmm. But in your situation, aside from the fact that, yeah, obviously you had the performance thing down right from the get-go, you know, and yeah, you had some luck on your side. 
you also had timing. You had timing. You mm-hmm. had looks. You were basically in the right place at the right time. And, you know, yes. the industry was ready for a guy like you because I didn't think there was anyone else that really fit your mold, so to speak. And then you add on to that the fact that, from what I see, you don't have an ego. You always show up on time. You're very professional. And you also hooked up with the right people. So that's kind of where luck takes a back seat. Because when you put all these things together, it makes sense that you're at where you're at, you know? Well, I appreciate the compliments. And uh, and thank you. I uh... Sure. I still think without the luck, it would have happened. <laughs> I, mean, and, uh, I mean, there was a lot that was working for me. Like I said, I mean, the fact that, like you said, timing really helped. The fact that I didn't fit the, you know, the mold. So I'm this 18-year-old kid. I mean, have you seen John Strong, Manuel Ferrara, and Eric Everhart? I mean, and, you know, Mike Stefano, these men are like, yeah. they're, they're like these men, especially, you know, Eric Everhart back in the day was a house. The man was like a bodybuilder. He was, he was, yeah, he didn't have fat on him and he was, he he was just this muscular man. And so I'm doing these scenes and then here's my skinny, like a hundred and, you know, 20, 25, 35 pound ass coming in actually, whatever. But I'm this skinny, like 18 year old kid being like, yeah, poor and it's not like this anymore now there's a lot more people that uh they're, they're getting a lot more of the everyman if you will but still like you know you line everyone up in porn you put you know at the time you know you take john strong manuel farrar eric Everard, you know etc 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 and then me and you put us all in a line take a picture and you say pick the guy who doesn't belong they would have yeah. like that kid <laughs> like what the fuck is that child doing in the shot <laughs> And so, but but at the time it didn't matter because nobody shot heads. You shot you shot from the waist down for guys. So all that mattered is that my dick was hard and it worked, and I could open up and I could show everything to the camera and I could keep the you know energy going and I could motivate the scene and everything like that. And so no one cared because they were like you know people don't hire eighteen year olds because eighteen year olds like think of it this way in the adult film industry everybody has to be basically the CEO of their own company if as a performer you're basically the, yeah, the yeah. CEO of your own company. Would you hire an 18-year-old to be a CEO of a company right now? No, never. never. Exactly. And it so, depends on the gen, right? But still, yeah. yeah. I, there's yeah. exceptions to every rule. Obviously, there are super geniuses that can run tech companies, and there are exceptions to every rule. My point is that as an 18-year-old, it's very hard to get in the industry because it's the adult industry, and part of it, you need to be an adult, and most 18-year-olds are still kind of soft. Like they're not, I mean, like I said, exception to every rule, but the idea of you're going to be the CEO of a company is just, especially as a guy, they're going to be like, you just want to like, come on chicks, like fuck off. So there was definitely a bunch of extra hurdles, but once I've got, got over those hurdles and they're like, oh, this kid isn't just like trying to like get someone to touch his penis. He's actually serious about this and wants to do this. It's like, great. Here's some guy who's able to do this. And he's excited to be here and, you know, he's like, who cares that he's 18? We're not shooting his face anyway. (laughs) You're listening to Porn and Coffee. While our hosts refill, here are a few words from our sponsors. Porn and Coffee is supported by ClickCash.com. ClickCash launched in 1996 with the single goal of helping affiliates make more money. As a loyal porn and coffee listener, ClickCash is paying you up to $200 for every new member you refer. To sign up for free, visit clickcash.com slash porn and coffee. Adult Force is the worldwide leader in adult premium products. Adult Force is your destination to do big business with all of these brands, including Brazzers, Reality Kings, 
Mofos, Digital Playground, Pornhub Premium, Twisties, Babes, Wiccan, Fake Hub, and more on Face Sites. We also have Men, Sean Cody, Bromo, and the newly launched Reality Dudes Network on Gay Pay Sites and Nutaku.net. N U T A K U.net to promote the latest craze, adult video games. So you have a choice of flat rates, pay top CPM, PPS, RevShare, PPL, and on it goes. Just go to adultforce.com today and check them out. <laughs> well, you know, I, I have another question to ask you as far as like getting prepared and how things have gone for you over the years. Because, I mean, you're still a very young guy. You still got many years ahead of you in this if you want it. Oh, the thing is, and I think you, you described yourself as what, like some 120, 130 pound kid. I mean, you're obviously bigger and more physically fit than you were when you started. But I mean, like, what's your regimen? What do you do? I mean, I'm not saying that I want to have give hope to all the would-be male porn stars <laughs> out there. But what do you do to mentally and physically get yourself to where you're ready to do a scene and to where you're at now. So I've actually been, so fun, fun weight story. So I've actually been like 150 pounds, like pretty much since I was like 15 years old. <laughs> I, uh, if you look at pictures of me as a teenager and pictures of me now, like, you know, I've definitely matured, like, you know, there's more like old man face and stuff going on, but I pretty much look exactly the same. Yeah. There was a time where I got a parasite which I think I got from fast food. If I had been camping, I went down to like 116. I was like an Auschwitz victim. It was terrible. It was creepy. But yeah, but I've actually kind of fluctuated around like the 145, 150 range for forever. And uh, up, and then recently I've now, I'm now actually, I mean, it's I'm heavier, but not like that much bigger. I just joke about being fat because I turned like 28 or something and I quit smoking cigarettes and I work in, I work in my, I used to do, you know, two scenes a day, every day, one scene a day, every day, and then two every now and then every day of the week, Monday through Sunday, like not nonstop every day, which, you know, it was a lot of cardio. And, uh, <laughs> and now yeah. I'm doing closer to like, I mean, because I have to run that, this, that stupid James Dean cash, James Dean.com, James, all that shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so since I have to run all of that stuff, uh, you know, and which, I mean, it's good, you know, I'm like, I, I guess I should plug it right now. I'm, I'm launched, I just launched POV perverts and pervert gallery and we have twisted visual in the James Dean cash program. And, and, uh, then there's also analyzed and DTF sluts coming out, uh, you know, uh, hopefully within a week, which I'm not actually promoting that yet because, I want to do like a whole push with it, but analyze.com I'm really excited for. So anyway, so, you know, with all these websites and stuff, I can't just, you know, can't just go out and do scenes every day. So I'm now down to like five scenes a week, top, sometimes less. And between that and not smoking and getting older, I've had to start going to the gym. And it's terrible because I've never had to go to the gym until I was like 28, 29. Now I'm finally, I'm like, okay, I have to do it. It's good. I feel better. And like, you know, I'm healthier, but Man, I just missed being a skinny little kid. Uh, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, you still are. And boo-hoo that you only get to bang five hot chicks a week. I know, right? Woe is me. <laughs> Come on. Poor guy. The rest of my day I'm spent looking at my own porn that I make myself. <laughs> <laughs> hate when that happens. So, James, let's talk about this. We need to talk about your fans, man. So, what do you think? Maybe you got some numbers on this. Do you have more female fans or more male fans? Well, according to statistics on jamesneem.com, uh, there are more women members than male members right. uh, to that website. But yeah. in the other sites, that's, you know, some of it's the same or similar, similar content. They have more male members. I think it's just presentation. 
I'm rebranding yeah. everything right now to cater jamesdean.com to more to fans of me and, and, uh, you know, gay men, women, uh, males that are just fans of mine, straight men that are just fans of mine, whoever, like, but, uh, cater it more towards, uh, James Dean centric things. And then I'm, you know, and then that's why I'm starting analyzed and DTF sluts. And then I have people, like, I'm hosting POV perverts.net and, and pervertgallery.com and twistedvisual.com and all that stuff is because, I want to make sure that I can sell con. I mean, the content people like, I mean, yeah. but I think that when it's presented as here's James Dean's website, a lot of males that are looking, you know, they don't want to go sign up for a dude's porn site because I, I'm, I'm here to watch the women. I'm not here to watch the dude. But then it, when presented with the same sort of content style or even the same scene in a different way, I feel like they get they're Then they're like, Oh, cool. This is awesome. I think it's just a matter of presentation. So you never made porn for women. I've never made porn for women. I think porn for women is just porn. I think the idea of yeah. porn for women or feminist porn or anything like that is just, it's counterproductive and asinine. I think you're basically saying that porn for women or feminist porn is okay as long as it fits within this mold that is deemed as acceptable for women or feminists. And yeah. I think feminist porn is just anybody who's making porn who identifies as a feminist. Jackie St. James, I don't, I, I don't want to speak for her. I don't know if she identifies as a feminist, but... She's most certainly a very talented and amazing woman, and her porn is really, really good. She makes really great. I mean, hell, it's so good she got offered a mainstream deal to direct a, a mini a series, a scripted series. I mean, she's yeah. she's good, <laughs> and yeah. uh, you know. But if you look at the content, you take and you didn't know a woman made it. It's just just good porn, you know. Yeah. And, you, and like uh, Dana Vespoli, who is the owner of TwistedVisual.com. So you look at her, her content. I mean, she is, I would definitely, I would definitely categorize Dana Vespoli as a feminist. I don't know if she would categorize herself as a feminist. That's a question for her. And please don't, again, don't let me speak for her. But if you look at the, her content, go to, I mean, go to TwistedVisual.com and look around and then take, and then think about if the difference of opinion where like, I would, I would, or I would guess that if you show that site and then get their opinions about it and then tell them that a woman who owns the company, runs the company, directs all of the content, conceptualizes all the content, does all of it, is the one. They'll be, it'll go from, this is, you know, crazy, hardcore, twisted, like, like, I mean, it's twisted visual. It's fucking cerebral, yeah. fucked up sex fantasy stuff. And so they'll go from, this is, you know, you should be ashamed of yourself to, oh, it's so empowering. And so it's, no, it's just fucking porn. <laughs> You know, so somebody's political identity and overall message and, and, and stance on society doesn't need to be directly related to their profession or what they do. It can, you don't need to necessarily, like, your sexuality doesn't need to be connected to your political stance, you know? And that, my dear listeners, concludes the first episode of this special two-part series with James Dean. Next week, we will release the second part of the interview with James, where we will be touching a little bit more on the business side, his brand building, and how DM Steen is looking at the future of the porn industry. His answer may shock you, so you don't want to miss out on that one. Thank you so much for listening to Porn and Coffee. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. Sign up for our newsletter on pornandcoffee.com. And we hope to see you again next week. Thank you for listening to Porn and Coffee. Be sure to check out what's brewing with us every week. Plugrush.com, a self-serve traffic network where you can buy, sell, and trade traffic. Plugrush.com, moving traffic forward.